Well, hello, everybody. It is the week of November the 7th. This is Michael Ianni Polarchio from Branksome Hall, bringing you the garage cast here on Wednesday, November the 9th. I am sounding a little rough today. Um, I've been battling a nasty cold, um, and my voice is cleared, I think, just enough for me to be able to step into a brief podcast for this week. We won't have any guests, uh, that way I don't <laughs> pass on my cold to anyone that I interview, um, and as well, I wasn't exactly sure when I might be able to um, record this uh, in terms of how I was feeling, um, and so I didn't want to try and schedule a guest, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a very interesting and cool show. I will say as well, when I started this internal podcast, um, the Garage Cast, you know, has and will continue to have an internal focus uh, with the communications team here so graciously sharing the podcast on our various social channels. We've had an explosion of listeners, so I am welcoming all of you, um, those within the Branksome community, uh, students, uh, parents, our faculty, all of our employees, alum, but even those of you that are outside of the community, it is just so great to have you join us here. And uh, with that, I will continue to endeavor to bring interesting things to talk about um, and explore. And as always, um, love hearing from our listeners. We've had so many people reach out to us last week, um, which was really, really nice. All right, let's buckle up and get right into this week's show. Our first segment on the Garage Cast is going to look at time. Something that we lack when we look at all the initiatives that we have to do, all of the day-to-day operational things that we need to do. Time it comes up so often in terms of the thing that is lacking. And this relates to an article that I had read and tweeted about. <clears throat> and before I give you the title of the article, let me read you the opening line. The writer says, I do my best work when I'm interrupted every 30 minutes for a meeting, said no one ever. <laughs> I just love the way it started. It's an article from Fast Company. Um, I will put a link to the show notes to this article. Um, And the title of the article is, We Intentionally Cancelled Every Meeting for a Week. And here's what happened. You know, on the GarageCast, we, we talk about innovation. And we talk about innovation with a very broad definition which is disrupting the status quo. Now, canceling meetings for an entire week would definitely be challenging the status quo. We do have a lot of meetings here, and I don't think that is unique to our school in any way. I think organizations, other schools, and other organizations in other industries suffer from this phenomena where there are just so many meetings that you spend your entire day sometimes in meetings, which doesn't allow you to really step into deep work. 
And deep work is something that I <clears throat> want to do a, a, a segment on in a future podcast um, from some research and exploration I've been doing in this area of deep work. Now, this article is focusing on a company called Zapier, and what they did is they decided to do an experiment. So first of all, I love this because it's an experiment. They went into it not really knowing what might occur, what positive benefits might come out of it, and what downside might there be to doing this. Um, and they, they took this week, they wiped all meetings, uh, they called the week Get Stuff Done, so the GSD week, so I love that there's a little acronym. Um, and they decided that by moving to this model where live meetings were moved to asynchronous communication, that employees could spend more time on their deep work and simply getting things done. And the result of the experiment, I encourage you to, to read the article uh, in detail if you, um, if you want to see, but <clears throat> the, the high level is that for one whole week, um, while they did this, so weekly team check-ins, one-on-ones, um, uh, project kickoffs, all that sort of stuff, um, the information was gathered, was consolidated, and they shared it all uh, asynchronously. What this really did result in is increased levels of deep work, increased levels of productivity, and really people feeling more in control, people feeling less stretched, um, and people feeling that you know they really did manage to tackle a lot of um, things that were on their plate. Um, the, the downside, I think, when I think about this is Sometimes meetings just have to occur, um, like when you've got, let's say, external stakeholders. Let's say we've got members of our community. And Zapier took this into consideration. So some meetings did happen if they involved some external uh, people. But for the most part, um, they found that instead of cramming their, their tasks into pockets of the day, they were really able to focus on what they felt they were responsible and accountable for and give it the deep soak time and work time. Um, they got to look at long-term strategic items, uh, team planning, cross-functional processes. It didn't mean that people didn't get together and work. It didn't mean that everybody was sitting in isolation. They just weren't in traditional meetings. And at the end of the week, when they reached out to the community to see if maybe this would be something they repeat at some point in the future, 80% of the respondents indicated that they would love to do another GSD week in the future. That's a, that's a high number, 80%. 80% of uh, respondents also said that they did achieve their goals for the week. And we all know that when we set goals for ourselves, there's nothing worse than getting to the end of the week and we haven't reached the goal. In some instances when I think, you know, I maybe haven't even looked at a particular goal. And so to have 80% of respondents say that for that week they had achieved their goals, you know, it boosts your own energy and your own levels of work satisfaction. 
And 89% of respondents, that's almost 90%, found communication to be just as effective during the GSD week as during a typical week. So we have almost 90% of the organization saying they didn't really feel like they lost anything in terms of being informed, being able to communicate with colleagues. <clears throat> they, they did end up using you know, a variety of tools uh, in different ways to enhance communication. So their Slack, which is an internal uh, messaging tool, not too dissimilar to Google Chat, which we have here at the school. Um, so it's very interesting and it's given me pause. I did tweet it. Uh, I've sent it to a few people internally. And I'm really hoping that if I can get this idea to take traction, so for all of you listeners uh, that are part of the internal community, you know, it would be interesting to look at a way to try this. We pick a week somewhere, I don't know, January, February. We make it a meeting-free week. We make it a getting stuff done week. Um, and we run our own experiment <clears throat> and we move um, things completely asynchronous, uh, like uh, West and East Side faculty meetings, for instance, staff meetings, um, our management meetings. Some of these, these meetings, we pause them for a period of time and then allow people to step into some of that deep work. Look forward to hearing from some of you listeners as to what you think. Uh, again, I will link the article to um, the show notes. The article does conclude by saying they'll never go meeting-free entirely. And of course, no organization would, uh, and neither would we. But they are continuing the experiment. And I think that is the innovative piece. It really brings a, an open kind of design thinking approach. You try it. You see what you benefit from. We see what we lose. We refine, rinse and repeat. Our next little segment here is gonna focus on Noodle. And you may be asking, what is Noodle if you're outside of our Branksome community? Well, it's a student business accelerator program that we launched back in 2019. It's a program where actual student-created, student-founded, student-led companies are uh, pitched and they successfully enter the Noodle program, which is a 16-week uh, curricular program spread out across about 32 weeks. <clears throat> and the students in that program build their company. They are learning entrepreneurial skills. Uh, they are learning content in and around, you know, what does it take to create a startup, operate a startup, grow a startup. They have an opportunity to meet with mentors, guest speakers, uh, meet with inspiring women entrepreneurs that have started their own companies. And they then get to pitch their ideas for the potential to receive seed funding for 
an investment in their company so that they can take their company to the next level, whatever that might be. So that's Noodle in a nutshell. And we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of entrepreneurship and learning about entrepreneurship for young women. So the first question I think to take a look at that you might be asking yourself is, you know, why are we focusing on entrepreneurship uh, for young people? They're in school. You know, what does the benefit become in exposing them to entrepreneurship and thinking about themselves as potential entrepreneurs at such a young age? Now, our Noodle program runs from grade 7 through to grade 12, so 12-year-olds to 17-year-olds. We are in the process of shaping uh, what we're calling Noodle Junior, uh, which will be an age-appropriate introduction to entrepreneurship for students in our junior school. And the reason this is important, you know, let me start with the first one, even if these students do not go on to be entrepreneurs. The skills of an entrepreneur are increasingly being desired inside companies. Call them intrapreneurs. The nature of work itself is changing. The, the, the work force and the work world that our students will find themselves entering in five years, 10 years, is really exponentially changing. And organizations are looking for creative thinkers, design thinkers. They're looking for risk takers, uh, people who can really fall in love with a problem and understand uh, end users or end customers and how to address those problems. All the things that an entrepreneur brings to the table. So for young people in general, I think entrepreneurial skills is important. For young women, I think it's important foundationally because when we look at studies, for instance, from the World Bank, we see that women entrepreneurs make significant contributions to economic growth. Um, They make an impact on the reduction of poverty They are catalysts for creating new jobs, not just for themselves, but for others. But when you look at various studies and and literature and the data, we see that today women still face a great number of barriers and challenges in establishing and running businesses. And this, this really ranges from access to capital You know, entrepreneurs, what's important to them is the ability to tap into capital to grow their businesses and move them from being startups to full-blown ventures and companies. And women are disadvantaged. The data shows us that. We have systemic things that are in place, unfavorable business regulations that hamper a woman's ability to be an entrepreneur. 
the choices of business types and sectors that they can enter. There's information and training gaps. Lack of networking, that, that ever important element of being able to tap into your network and having those contacts. Vitally important to entrepreneurship and a gap for uh, women that are stepping into entrepreneurial endeavors. And so looking at this, we really want to develop the mindset of entrepreneurship with our students here. Couple that with tools and know-how. So have the confidence to see themselves as an entrepreneur, see role models that are already entrepreneurial, and couple that with techniques, tools, understanding and knowledge so that they can successfully be an entrepreneur. This is the aim of the program. Now in the spring, um, I had the pleasure of doing a video interview. Uh, you'll remember last week we had uh, Dr. Natasha Kustova with us from the Chandaria Research Center. Um, and I would had the pleasure in the spring of having a conversation with her about Noodle because we did some research here at the school as well. Um, and I'll link to that video interview if you're interested. I'll put that into the show notes if you'd like to watch that. Uh, here's a brief excerpt of uh, that interview. There's a few kind of key findings that I wanted to chat with you about and kind of reflect on how the first year of the program went. And the things that I wanted to touch on specifically is the true kind of importance of the experiential experience. The students really appreciated how real it felt. The other thing was the way that the program was structured using design thinking, I think was also really helpful in helping students understand what entrepreneurship is and what the process of developing a product is. And third, the importance and impact of developing a network and learning how to draw on your network to be able to succeed in a business. So we hear a lot about experiential learning and how important it is to gain 21st century skills and what a great opportunity for students to actually have a real experience. Yeah, this is fundamental for a few reasons. Students know when something is purely academic. Um, and we know as educators that students engage uh, more when they feel that it's real world or it's somehow connected to the real world. And so in creating you know, a business accelerator for students, it had to have elements of real world. Otherwise, there's no sense of connection. The ideas they pitched to us had to be able to actually generate profits. And we coupled that concept of profits with purpose. We also gave them real world tools, um, which is something we do at the school, even outside of the accelerator program. So rather than using tools that have been you know, simplified for students, we give them access to real 3D printers. We give them access to real laser cutters. We use real computing languages for them to, uh, to you know, flush out their products. They know that that work they're doing is not an academic exercise. I'll stop the excerpt from the video interview there. It gives you a flavor of some of the areas of research and the focus of Noodle um, 
from that first cohort. And we've run several cohorts uh, since 2019 when we kicked it off. Uh, COVID really truncated that experience somewhat. Um, but as we stepped into Noodle for this year, which we have just begun back in October, we've really seen uh, a resurgence uh, of interest from our students. We have 47 kids in the program this year. That's 17 companies. In our first, first cohort, we called them, affectionately called them the Noodle Nine because we had nine companies. We've got 17 companies this year. I think we might actually be at 18. I think I had a student last week that was looking to join a company venture and then found an area of interest and decided she's going to try founding her own company. So we might actually be at 18. The difference with Noodle, which is why I wanted to bring it up in this segment, is previous cohorts have run that you enter the program in the spring, in the fall, sorry. You go through the program through the academic year, you pitch in the spring, and then you exit the Noodle program. And <clears throat> what we have changed now is to really make Noodle a multi-year experience for students. So when you enter the program, say the 17 or 18 companies that we've got that have entered the program now in the fall, they still will have an opportunity to pitch for funding. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. And then whether they're successful in their, their funding request or not, they continue through to the end of this academic year. And next year, we will invite a new cohort of noodlers, but all of the students in the noodle program this year are automatically in the program next year. And the reason we're doing that is recognizing that building a venture is a multi-year endeavor, especially for students who are balancing all of the other curricular and co-curricular things that they're involved in. So this allows students to see a very long arc, which I think is important. Uh, it also allows us to have um, student mentors. So someone who maybe has entered the Noodle program in grade nine, if they're still in the program in grade 11, building and working on their company, or perhaps they've pivoted and their company has changed, they act as mentors and inspirational leaders to those new students that are coming into the program. So it's around that network. There still is a focus, as I said, on pitching. And this is important because we want students, our young women, to understand the importance of pitching. Why, you might be asking. Well, you heard me reference that access to capital Funding, money, is of critical importance to grow your business. And when men approach investors, entrepreneurial men, they tend to over-ask. They pitch for funding at higher levels than they need. Whereas the data shows us that women, when they pitch, tend to under-pitch. 
They have a different style of pitching. They lack that confidence to go in and ask for the big number. And this under pitch gets compounded because male investors who are thinking that women are pitching like men lower their investment. So when they get pitched by a, a, a man who wants $50 million for their entrepreneurial venture, that male investor will say, I know that they're over pitching. So rather than 50 million, here's 40 million for X percentage of your company. Not understanding that women are under pitching. So perhaps she's asking for 30 million, when she should be asking for 40. The investor doesn't know that dynamic and the 30 million becomes 20 million. And so we see it's a compounding effect. And so we really want our young students to be thinking about access to capital. We want our young students to have the confidence that their solution to a particular problem is pitch worthy. And so our multi-year um, cohort approach, which really came about um, through discussions. It was the idea of Heather McDonald here at the school. I think she tapped into an important uh, piece. Um, Heather is uh, uh, leading uh, Noodle, um, and I've been supporting her in that process. And the proposed approach of a multi-year cohort really allows us to have the students experience that iterative process of being an entrepreneur. So I'm super excited. Um, perhaps at some point I'll have Heather on the show here as well. We could talk a little bit about it. Perhaps I can even get a student or two, some of these young founders uh, on to talk a little bit around um, their experience within Noodle uh, and bring that to the listening community. Well, everyone, that is a wrap. I think I'm reaching the end of my um, voice ability here as I am at the tail end of this cold. So I appreciate you bearing with um, the odd pop and crack and throat clear during this podcast. But it's just been so great to do episode three of the Garage Cast. Yay, episode three. Wishing you a great day. Look forward to having you join again next week here on the Garage Cast from number four here at Branksome Hall. Stay well, everyone. We'll chat again soon. Ciao.